Thank you, Dan. Let's take our Bibles this morning. Turn to Romans chapter 12, if you would, with me. Romans chapter 12 in our Bibles. Last week we saw that a biblical church member, every biblical church member, is a necessary part of the body of Christ. Every single uh, member of a body is necessary. And that's the analogy and the illustration that the Lord uses, uh, giving it to the Apostle Paul, as we looked in Corinthians last week. We also saw that every member of the body has a different function. Okay, Now, I think in the coming weeks, at some point, I would like to give you a spiritual gifts test and teach on that specifically. Uh, so we will take some time to do that in the coming weeks. I'm not sure exactly how that's going to happen or when yet, but we're going to do that. Um, but God has gifted each of you, each of us, those of us who are saved, he's given us a spiritual, a spiritual gift, at least one per person, sometimes more. Uh, aside from that, we have personality. God has made us differently. He's made us unique. He's given all of us different experiences, different backgrounds. Of course, we all have the truth in the word of God. We who are saved, the spirit of God living inside of us, him, Christ in us, teaching us, leading us, guiding us. So that's going to lead us to unity. But he's made us all different. And uh, I enjoyed the passage last week. We may read it if we have time this morning as it connects with the truths here in Romans chapter 12. But I loved how the Apostle Paul uh, is in his analogy saying, does the does the hand say or does the foot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or you know, I'm I'm not participating because I'm not the hand in the body, and he uses that analogy, and I think it's hilarious, and uh, but it's true, I think sometimes within a body of believers, the body of Christ, there can be that attitude of well, you know, if I'm not if I can't be the hand within the body, then you know what, I'm just not going to participate. Well, that would be awfully sad for the body of Christ if one of its members was choosing not to function. So last week was all about the function of the body of Christ. Every one of you are a necessary, needed part of that body. Uh, we, we all have different functions, and we need to be functioning together in sync with one another if the body is going to be healthy. You know, right now the Olymp Winter Olympics are going on, and I, don't, I haven't seen anything yet. I did check the metal tracker the other day. Um, but, you know, these athletes, they train. Their, their bodies are um, well-honed machines, so to speak, in good condition. Yesterday, as I was roller skating around the track, I was reminded of how poor of condition I was in. You know, and this morning when I woke up and got out of bed again, I was reminded of that poor condition. Um, but... It, it's sad when um, it's sad when a person, a human being, has a disability in some way, maybe a, a, a paralysis of some kind, and they their body cannot function the way that God designed the human body to function. And the other extreme of that is you have these Olympic athletes, and their bodies are functioning at peak performance. As we get older, our bodies don't function as well as maybe we remember them functioning in the past. But the body of Christ, so how are we to function? We looked at that last week. Now today, I want to answer the question, how can we fulfill our function? 
How can we fulfill our function? How can we fulfill, how can we be the, um, the member within the body of Christ that God wants us to be? So you're in Romans 12. I'll begin reading in verse number 3. Would you look there with me? Romans chapter 12. Uh, let's start at verse 1, and I'll read down through verse number 8. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, who would this sacrifice be to? It would be to the Lord. It would be to God. Lord, here's my body. Here's my life. Here's my mind. My, my life. The length of my life. All that I am. Lord, here I am. Uh, I want my children to present themselves to the Lord. Uh, you know, at camp, we'll hear some testimonies tonight about decisions that were made at camp. We'll, we want our children to present themselves to the Lord. Some of you can remember maybe as young parents, uh, dedicating your babies to the Lord. Okay, well, dedication or giving our consecration, giving ourselves, presenting ourselves to the Lord is not just for our children so that they'll obey us and make us look good as parents. It's not just for babies or infants. It's for all of us who are within Christ. So he's saying, I he's beg pleading with them, beseeching them, by the mercies of God, that they present their bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He says it's reasonable to do this. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world. Well, we all face that pressure, don't we? To be conformed to this world, to look like, to think like, to act like this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good, and acceptable and perfect will of God. Verse 3, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all the members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, verse 7, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let's pray, and then we'll look at this passage, specifically answering the question, how can I fulfill my membership? What, what should my mindset be? Let's pray together. Father, teach us, I pray, this morning as we look at your word together. Your word tells us that you add to the church according to your will. You, you uh, build the church. You save people, and you choose to add. And Lord, you know every one of us in this room, and to some degree we all feel inadequate, and yet you have made us, uh, you call us saints, and you've given us gifts, and you want us to represent you to this world. And Lord, we need your help for that. So teach us on this matter 
And I pray that you would mold and shape Trinity Baptist Church into the congregation you'd have us to be. Thank you for your long-suffering to us and your faithfulness to us, your goodness and love. And Father, I pray that our hearts this morning will be drawn out to fulfill our function within your church. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. It's been said that the greatest blessings of life are to have eternal life and to know the will of God. So I would ask you this morning, do you know that you're saved first and foremost? Do you know that you've been forgiven of your sins? Do you know that heaven is your home? Um, Do you know that? Are you confident of that? Because that is a tremendous, I think, without question, the greatest blessing of life. But also, as it has been said, the second would be, do you know the will of God for you? Do you know what he wants for you? Someone recently told me in a conversation, if, if I just knew what God wanted me to do, I would do it. Well, that's a great place to be. So then the question is, do you know what God wants for you? So one part of that equation is, uh, do I know what God wants? And then if I do, am I willing to do what I know God wants for me to do? Um, In the context of Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul is teaching that God's will for the Christian, for every believer, is the employment of his spiritual gifts within the body of Christ. Um, That's God's will. He's saying this to everyone. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God at your reasonable service. So he's telling us what the will of God is. The Apostle Paul, back in Corinthians, had started the church there in Corinth. And when he wrote to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1, he said, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. I, I want you to be knowledgeable about your spiritual gifts. I want you to know what you have. And Paul was led of the Spirit of God to communicate to the church there, the church at Corinth, concerning those interim gifts, those spiritual gifts, that God had given to them. And as believers, we need to know how we can fulfill our membership role within the body of Christ. Isn't it true, as life goes on, things change? I mean, I'm speaking to some this morning, and you're in your 70s or 80s, and you would say, well, 30 years ago, within the local church, this is what I I did. There's a couple pastors in this room, uh, Pastor Sharp and Pastor Miller, both men who pastored churches for many, many years. And uh, they, could, they could tell you, um, and both of them have communicated to me in different ways, uh, that they still have a zeal to, if they could go back and do it again, you know, they would. And uh, that zeal hasn't died. It's still there. Um, and some of you as church members, so life changes, things change. There are different things that may keep us from doing certain things. Uh, but what, what, what should be our function within the church? Before we look at what the Bible says about fulfilling our membership roles, I would like to give you two reminders here as we begin this morning. And the first is that serving the Lord, serving the Lord is not for this life only. It is for eternity. Every time you and I serve the Lord, and by that I mean do his will. So, for if you have if you're gifted in the ability to, to sing in an area of music and you're serving the Lord and his body, being a blessing and an encouragement, sharing that musical ability 
whatever that ability may be, with the body of Christ, it's your ministry doesn't just take place in the choir and end when you come down or when you sing with the congregation and then we stop singing. When you sing, when you use that gift, when, when you exercise that ability that God has given to you and being an encouragement to the local church, you're not only serving the Lord at that moment, it has eternal reward. Now, there is no eternal reward for things that are not done. Okay. Now you say, well, I don't have musical ability. Not only uh, is there eternal result for service given to the Lord today, maybe in the choir, done in the right, with the right attitude, the right spirit, as in the Lord, not unto men, with all of our ability. There's eternal reward for that. The same is true at home. So when you and I choose to obey the Lord and serve the Lord during the work week, and you, maybe you work in a secular environment. You say, everybody in my office is unsaved. They are rebellious against God. They don't want to know the truth. And yet God has put you there. When you serve the Lord there, there is eternal results, eternal reward. When you serve the Lord in your home with your children or your grandchildren or when you serve the Lord in how you respond to your parents with honor, or you serve the Lord in how you husbands love your wives and wives submit yourselves to your own husbands. When you and I serve the Lord, no matter how that is, when we do the will of God in this life, there is eternal reward for serving the Lord today. Okay, so this is huge. And I'm going to move on from this, but serving the Lord is not for this life only. It is for eternity. The second uh, truth I want to remind you of is that every believer will be judged at the Bema seat or the, the uh, judgment seat of Christ for how we used our gifts and what we did in this life with what God gave us. Okay, Every one of us as the children of God are going to give an account to God for what we did with what he gave us. Now, some of the things that he gave us, just a couple... One is he gave us his spirit to live within us. Um, so what I'm going to be held accountable for what I did with how the Holy Spirit of God led me in my life. I'm, I, I've been, I, was, I was blessed to be born into a Christian home with my parents teaching me from a young child to follow the Lord and to love him and to trust him. I'm going to be held accountable for that. Um, I have the word of God and you have it too. So we're going to be held accountable for the word of God. Did we, did we invest our time and energy into it um, personally, on a personal level? Did, you, did we take advantage of opportunities to, to sit underneath of it, to submit ourselves to it and to learn it, and then to follow it and obey it and live it out? Uh, and we could talk about the spiritual gifts as well. So I want to remind you of those two things. Serving the Lord is not for this life only. It is for eternity. And every believer will be judged at the Bema seat for the faithful use of his gifts. Um, the Bible teaches also that when I say serving the Lord is not for this life only, it's for eternity. In Revelation chapter 22, the Bible actually tells us that we're going to be serving the Lord for all of eternity. So not just even for this life. Listen to this. Revelation 22 and verse 3, John says this. He says, and there shall be no more curse 
But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants, his servants shall serve him. You know that you're going to be serving the Lord. You and I are going to have that privilege of serving God and doing his will forever. That is, you know, we think about things in this life where things are done wrong. People do wrong things. Um, well, he is going to set up his throne and he's going to rule and reign. And we're going to be able to serve him for all of eternity. That is a tremendous privilege and an honor. And we will glorify him in doing that. Uh, hold your place in Romans 12. Look over to 1 Corinthians, would you? It's not far away. Take a right few pages. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And look at verse 11. Because like, I want to, we're talking about spiritual gifts. We're talking about, we, the Bible refers to, um, he talks about accountability with talents. And you remember the servants who uh, were given talents and one buried his talent and when his, his master came back, he dug it out of the ground and gave it back to him. He was not honored for that decision. Other servants made investments with their talents and were rewarded accordingly. Um, I, I mentioned the Bema seat or the judgment seat of Christ. There are two judgment seats talked about in the Bible. One is the great white throne judgment, and that is the place where the unsaved will stand before God and will be judged um, for choosing to reject the Lord Jesus Christ as a personal Savior, and they will suffer eternal punishment in the place called hell. The Bema seat, or the judgment seat of Christ, is a place of reward. And, um, and I can remember my dad was always, he was not always, but regularly he would give rewards or incentives to do something. And, uh, and he was good about that. Um, all of us have been given these spiritual gifts and we've been given opportunity. We've been given length of life. We've been given, we've been given upbringing and training. And uh, many of you have sat under the teaching of the word of God for much of your life. You know a lot about the Bible. You know a lot of truth. And we're going to be held accountable for what God has given to us. Now, look here, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look at verse 11, and I'll let the Bible speak for itself. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11 I'll read down through verse, verse number 15. He says this, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Okay, we're talking about building a building here, and Jesus is the foundation. And if you're saved, you're a part of this building. Now look at verse 12. He says, Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest. So what we did in this life with what we knew to do will be made obvious at this judgment seat of Christ. For the day shall declare it, he says in verse 13, look at the middle part, because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So the, the picture that is painted here for us is this, that our works, what we did in this lifetime, by the grace of God and the power of God, what we do in this lifetime is going to be 
analyzed or judged by the Lord himself. Whether we did it with the right motives, it's possible to do the right thing with the wrong motives. We all would understand that, correct? You know, I want to <clears throat> I want to serve the I want uh, people to see me and think what a great voice I have and so I'm going to sing specials. Okay? Just cuz I want everybody to be blessed by my talent and ability. Okay, do you get the idea of a wrong motive there? Okay? So people might be blessed by a singer who has a beautiful voice, but if if that person sings with the wrong attitude, I want to be seen of men, well the day's going to declare it. Okay, and and apparently, and as the passage leads us to believe here, you have uh, wood, hay, and stubble. So these are works; these are things that are done. But in God's estimation, it's wood, hay, and stubble. And when it is put to the test, or the fire is brought to that that work, something that was actually done in this lifetime, it's consumed. Wood, hay, and stubble. There's no reward for that. On the, on, on the other side of that contrast, you have gold, silver, and precious stones. And, and maybe using, again, someone singing as an example, this person, they're not looking for the limelight. Um, they're busy. They have a lot of other things they could do. But God has burdened their heart. He's given them the ability to sing. And he's burdened their heart to serve him. And they love it. And they love the truth of the, the Bible and the truth of the Spirit of God living inside of them and what he's doing in their hearts and life, what he's doing in their heart and life. And so they're willing, they're willing, Lord, you, if you can use me to be a blessing, I'm glad to do it. And I'm nervous to do it, but I'm glad to do it because I want to serve you. And of course, there's so many other ways to serve the local church than music. And so many of us here would say, God is not blessed with a voice to sing. But God has given every single one of us, and we learned this last week, every single one of you are very important within the body of Christ. Necessary. Necessary. And, and, and so we, on the one hand, we've got, we, have, we have this day, the Bema Seat, where we're going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're going to, he is going to reveal to us if what we did in this lifetime was done as unto him and not unto men, if it was acceptable to him if it brought him glory and honor. Now, you're still in Corinthians. Look over, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Before I read this, I want to, uh, I want to say something more about this. If, and there are times in our lives... And you, you fill in the blank, uh, wherever, whatever that act of service might be for you. Okay. Maybe it's not singing. Maybe it is, uh, maybe it's mowing the church property. And we've got men here. Thankfully, they don't have to, merge, they don't have to worry about mowing. So I don't know why I'm bringing this up to torment you. It's, you can't even see the grass. It's like, thankfully, you can't see the grass, right? We got men here in this room and they mow sometimes multiple times a week, depending on the time of year. All of the, the grass. These guys aren't paid a red cent. They're volunteers. Um, I don't, I'm not going to mention any of them by name. They wouldn't want me to do that. But whether you're mowing the church property 
or you're working on a bus, or you're cleaning the building, or you're playing the piano, we've got pianists here, or you're in the choir, or you're an usher, you're working Awana. We've got a lot of different programs, organizations. We have a lady here, I won't mention her name at all, she wouldn't want this, but she takes very careful note and she prays for people within the church, new visitors who come. She's not an usher, she doesn't have a badge, but she is she is aware of members who are sick and they're out of out of church. She'll let me know sometimes, say, did you notice so-and-so wasn't here? Are you aware they had a surgery? Are you aware they're sick? Why? She loves, and, and that's not a program. She just loves the church. So no matter what it is that you're a part of, here's the point. If you're doing it, if we ever get caught up in doing it for self-glory, or if we're doing it with the wrong motives, it will only be a matter of time before we will stop. Did you catch that? Now, here's another revelation that we all know to be true. Every one of us struggle with doing the right thing with the right motive. Every single one of us struggle with that. Um, and they're, both of those things are separate, and they're, they're both a struggle. Every one of us are tempted sometimes to not do, not serve the Lord, to not do the right thing. And then when we are doing the right thing, our flesh is pulling at us um, to do it for the wrong reason. And, uh, and I want you to know that you are going to be held accountable to, to God himself for what you did with what he gave to you. You're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse 10. Verse 10, he says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So, this is not a place of judgment in the sense of, God keeping track of our sin and holding us accountable for it, okay? Jesus Christ paid the price for all of our sin, okay? It is under the blood. God, the Bible tells us, chooses not to remember our sin anymore, okay? He chooses not to remember it. He chooses not to hold us accountable for it. So the judgment seat of Christ is not a place of judgment. So if, if you have sin in your heart and your life and you're convicted right now about that, if you're saved, your sin has been forgiven by God. The conviction about your sin by the Spirit of God and the Word of God is because God wants you to be right with Him, obeying Him so He can bless you and so that you can represent Him to this lost and dying world. He wants to have fellowship with you. He wants to be close to you and me. Okay, uh, so this is about serving the Lord. This is about, God, you've given me different abilities. You've given me time. You, you're leading me to do this. I want to serve you. I want to serve the body of Christ and therefore edify and encourage and strengthen my brothers and sisters in Christ so that you'll be glorified in their lives and that you can use me for your glory. That's what this is all about. Look back to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. So simple reminder, we're going to give an account of what, what, what God uh, has given to us. 
And we could, well, that could be true for finances, that could be true for time, that could be true for experience and knowledge and wisdom. And by the way, there are some of you here and you can't ride a, a lawnmower anymore. Or you can't necessarily, you may not be able to teach a class anymore. Or maybe you can't sing in the choir anymore. But you, you have wisdom and experience. You have grown in your, your uh, maturity with the Lord. Uh, you have opportunity to pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe you're retired. You have, you have maybe some of you have more time who are retired. Some of you don't have, you don't know where the time went, right? But, but maybe there's t- more time to pray. Maybe in wisdom, maybe it's the wisdom that God's given you and you can perceive things within the body of Christ. And not from a judgmental perspective, but a, a perspective of love. You've been there. You see younger generations wavering and struggling and your heart is burdened. Well, listen, pray, befriend, encourage. Don't just watch it happen and look the other way and be disgusted by it. Involve yourself in the lives of others. All right, I'm going to give you three thoughts this morning. Number one, um, as we answer this question, how do we fulfill our membership role in the church? Number one, according to this passage, we all need to humbly consider who we really are. Humbly consider who we really are. Look at verse number three. He says, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. If you're going to find your place in within the body of Christ, the place of service, the place of ministry, ministry means service, um, then it's, it requires that you and I be humble. Okay, uh, we're not to think of ourselves. We're not to be proud or arrogant. It's not, we're not to have the attitude of, I can do it all. I can do it all. Yeah, I can sing or... I could lead the singing or I could play the piano if I really applied myself, you know, or or I can do this or I can do that. I as a as your pastor for years and one of the greatest encouragements to me is is watching the body of Christ function. And and there and there are there things coming to my mind even now as I'm speaking um Months ago, a dear lady within our church came to me and and basically said she had a proposal, she had an idea, it's been a burden on her heart. And she wondered if she could do it. I mean, I was thrilled. I mean, I was, I think I might have come off the ground. I was so excited and so encouraged. But that's the ministry I can't do. That's, that's not something I can do. It's been a burden on my heart too, but to who to go to, to, to some, God needed to prick someone's heart and burden their heart for our church in that way. And I love when that happens. Uh, so the, we can't have the attitude of I can do it all. Otherwise, um, that person will burn out. You'll burn out and you will not produce fruit that lasts. OK, so humbly consider who you really are in the passage in verse three. He tells us that we're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. And the Bible has a lot to say about pride. It has nothing positive to say about pride at all. In Proverbs 11 in verse two, the Bible says, when pride cometh, then cometh. Shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. In Proverbs 16 and verse 18, the Bible says, Pride goeth before destruction, and in haughty spirit before a fall. I do not want us to be a church of proud people. Okay? 
well, I can do it. We're, we're better than them. That should never be a part of our DNA. Okay, never. Proverbs 28, verse 25 says, He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife. Find strife. Find it in a marriage. Find it in a friendship. Find it, find it in your place of employment. Find it in a church. Um, wherever strife or wherever pri- uh, pride is found, you will find that there is strife. Now, maybe under the surface, but, but it's there. So the Bible doesn't have anything good to say about pride. Um, what does it mean to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think? You see that in verse number three. He says that we're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. I think it would be something like this. A man might say something like this. What would this church ever do without me? I don't, I don't know what this church would ever do without me. Do you get the pride there? The arrogance? Uh, so that should not be a part of, of, of finding our role within the church. Or, or maybe somebody could say this. Maybe a man says this to his wife. Honey, who do you think is the most important person in our church? Besides you, of course. You know. So, again, pride is not something that, that we should give in to. But we need to humbly consider who we really are. And in verse 3, he also says this. Look at the end of verse number 3. He tells us to think. He says, don't think uh, more highly than you ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man, these gifts, okay, the measure of faith he talks about. And the word think means to exercise one's mind. It means to, it means to regard, to consider something. And uh, to think soberly, it means to be of a sound mind or to be in one's right mind, to be honest, to be sane. And these are both legal terms that communicate that we are to give an accurate evaluation of ourselves. So you need to think and you need to consider um, specifically about what God has given to you. What do I have? What do I have? Maybe God hasn't called you to preach, but he has given you the amazing ability to to handle finances and funds and to give. And others within the congregation don't have those abilities, but but God has equipped them with mercy to a greater degree. And... And then there are some within the church who have the gift of prophecy. And that does not mean to foretell the future. That's already happened. We have the fulfillment. We have the, the, the word of God in whole now. But to foretell, to speak the truth, to speak the truth and to stand for the truth, but to do it in love. You, and all of these gifts are coming together that makes a, a church healthy and vibrant. And, and not just what we would say, wow, that's an awesome church but that God would look at his church and say, that is what I sent my son to save, to seek and to save that which was lost and to put together this inheritance. Oh, that God would be pleased with his church. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Yes or no? What do you think? Yes. And that is what I want. That is what I desire. I want us to be the church that God would be pleased with, that God desires That is what, you want to know what I want? That's what I want. That's what I want. In 2022 and going forward, that is what I desire. You know, ministries and programs come and go. They do. They come and they go. 
But, but God's plan for his local church does not change. It does not change. So we need to we give an accurate evaluation of ourselves. The Bible does this about our Lord and Savior. In Philippians chapter 2, the Bible speaks of Jesus in verse 6, and it says this, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In John chapter 10 and verse 30, Jesus said this about himself, thinking soberly about himself. He said, I and my Father are one. Okay, so Jesus thought soberly about himself, And we ought to think soberly about ourselves. We ought to know who we are. The Bible tells us that we've been redeemed, that there's no condemnation who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. The Bible tells us that we are part of his family. And so in verse three, the latter part here in in chapter 12, it says that God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. In 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 11, the Bible says, but all these all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. He's talking about these gifts. In other words, all that we have, all that we have has been given to us by God. In John 5, in verse 5, the Bible tells us, without me, ye can do nothing. And, and, and I'm talking about humbly considering who we really are. Well, I'm a child of the king. My father is God. God has given me training. He's given me, he's given me an upbringing. He's given me a perspective. He's given me his word. He's given me himself. His spirit lives within me to teach me and, and guide me and direct me. Um, some of us would here this morning could say, God's given me a wife. God's given me children. Should I lead? Should, should I? Should I use in what God has given me to, to serve the Lord, to bring glory to him? Um, and, and so he tells us, be honest about who you are and what, what he's given you. I would say we ought to avoid false humility. Okay, He tells us to be humble, humbly consider who you really are. Avoid a false humility. What do I mean by that? Um, I think I would describe it this way. Someone compliments you. Hey, you did a great job mowing the lawn. You don't have to say, oh, no, it looks terrible. You know, I think some sometimes in, in, a, in a, a desire to be humble, we, oh, it was terrible. It's nothing. It really is nothing. No, it is something. If you sing or you play the piano and, and you play the piano and someone comes up to you and says, hey, thank you so much. That, that's just a favorite song of mine. It was a tremendous blessing and encouragement to me. Would it be humble for them to say, oh, no, it was terrible. It was nothing. It was, the whole thing was terrible. I just am a terrible pianist. I mean, is that humility to self-deprecate? What do you think? No. And I'll go beyond that. If God has given someone the ability to play the piano, Parents who put them in piano and made them play the piano all throughout their childhood and stuck with it. Right, well, that, that's what happens with piano sometimes. And uh, and they and God give, gave them a parent to pay for those lessons and parents to stick with it and help the pianist be disciplined. And then gave that pianist a love for music and an ability to think that way and a heart for him to serve him and be a blessing to to serve his body. 
God has given that pianist tremendous gifts, right? Should the pianist think little of what God has given them? What do you think? No. So avoid false humility. No, it, we got some young men in here, or maybe teachers. If God, if someone says, hey, you are a real blessing, and uh, thank you for teaching and preaching the word the way you did, just say thank you or praise the Lord, you know. Um, but just be a, just genuinely accept the, the compliment. Thank you. It's my privilege to, I love doing it. You know, you, it, it, I, there's no specifically right statement to say, okay. It's just that heart of humility. And the heart of humility is, I've, I've received so much. And it's my privilege to serve the Lord. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying what to say, but it's that heart. Uh, Matthew 5 and verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. When you and I serve the Lord, the people around us ought to be drawn to praise God. When we serve the Lord, and if it's, it's, if it's working hard out on the property and pulling weeds out of the landscaping and, and we do a great job and our, we, got, we got dirt under our nails and we got cuts on our hands maybe or our nails are worn off from digging through the stones to get to the roots, you know, I mean, uh, or it's mowing the lawn or it's working in the building in some way or whatever it may be. Maybe it's in the workplace. It's not on church property at all, but it, it's, in, it's, or it's in your family. And people observe you're serving the Lord, your good works. God wants our good works to actually draw other people to honor and glorify the Lord. See, a person who is truly humble can handle a, a genuine compliment. A person who is genuinely humble is not crushed when somebody else does something that other people appreciate. Or maybe they do something a little bit better. Um, Dan, I appreciate you singing. I appreciate the time you put into preparation. And uh, today, as, as Dan was singing, I'm sitting over there, and it was an encouragement. I've never heard that song before. And I was thinking, he can sing a lot higher than I have the ability to sing. And you know what? That's a good thing. Baritones have a very narrow range, you know. But everybody has a different ability, and we ought to rejoice. Wouldn't it be sad if I was sitting over here thinking, ah, he has such a... An amazing range, you know. Wouldn't that be terrible? Well, that has no place anywhere within the body of Christ. So humbly consider who you really are. Number two, desire the unity that God has ordained. Desire the unity that God has ordained. Now he's been talking, he's been using this analogy about a body. Aren't you glad that your body, your body, your physical body has unity? That things go together. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad... You know, party doesn't, isn't going this way and the other party is going that way. Wouldn't that be a little awkward? Wouldn't that be? So within the church, there needs to be unity within the body of Christ. We can't have one part, and I see someone laughing out there at this mental picture. You can't get it out of your head. One part of your body is going this way, the other part of your body is going this way. That would be dysfunction. It uh, would not bring God honor and and sometimes churches can be like that, where one part is wanting to go this way and the other part's going this way. And uh, someone came and talked to me a, a couple weeks ago or a week ago or so and talked about um, years ago a, partic a particular church that had different 
um, factions within it that were all pulling in different directions. And he used the term dysfunctional. That's not a unified body. And, and God wants us to be unified, and we ought to desire that. Look at verse 4, Romans chapter 12, verse 4. I'll read verses 4 and 5. He says, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. So remember, Jesus said, I will build my church. That's what he said. He said, I will build my church in Matthew 16, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Think about that. You ought to be reminded of that. We ought to think about that. Christ is building his church. And so the power to accomplish God's purpose for the church is not found in our abilities. He's given us gifts. He's given us different perspectives. He's given us different experiences. But the power is found in the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And again, in John 15 and verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Much fruit is brought when the branches are connected to the vine, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. When, when even the most talented church members um, are operating on their own and they're not, um, they're not relying upon the Lord Jesus Christ, the most talented Sunday school teacher can never do, even with the most preparation and the most ability, he can never do what the Lord Jesus Christ can do through a person who has surrendered and attached to the vine and relying on the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. The most talented pastor in the world can never do what a pastor of much lesser talents can do who is connected and relying upon the power of the Lord Jesus Christ in his life. Same through for parents. Parents. So whatever your spiritual gift is, if you want to be used of God to bear much fruit you got to stay connected to the vine. So all the body parts come together because of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and not our own. In Ephesians 4 and verse 16, the Bible says, From whom the whole body fitly joined together, some are eyes and ears and hands and feet, but they're fitly joined together and compacted, firmly knit, by that which every joint supplieth, that is the Spirit of God and Christ working in us, According to the effectual working in the measure of every part, make it increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. There are many here who would say, Pastor Ferguson, I want, I want to see some, I want to see God work in Trinity Baptist Church. Well, are you attached to the vine? Are you surrendered? I know you're, if you're a born-again believer, there's an attachment, okay? Your salvation is not in question. But are you surrendered to the vine, the Lord Jesus Christ, in your life? See, if we got a lot of church members who are not surrendered and submitted to the vine, and dependent upon the vine, the Lord Jesus Christ, it will lead to, to people with this idea and that idea and here and there and we're going in different directions, and there can be factions and divisions, and it's just a terrible thing. Even the most talented of churches. But when God's people are surrendered to the vine, God 
God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, in us bears much fruit. Much fruit. I want that. So this does come down to each one of us making a decision. Okay, I'm going to humbly consider who I really am. And I'm going to desire the unity that the Lord, the Lord desires. And, um, and I'm going to trust that he's going to bind us together. And I'm going to trust that he's going to do his work. All, this is all I am, but I've, but I've given myself to the Lord. And I'm saying, Lord, use me. And I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to obey you as best I know. And I know there's, there's going to be sin and falling along the way, but I'm going to confess it and forsake it. I'm going to get back up. Lord, use me for your honor and for your glory. And when that starts to happen throughout the church, God does a mighty work within our body, within the body of Christ, his body. So the, so the purpose for the local church is that we function as the body of Christ here on earth. And, and why does he want this? Well, because the work of the ministry is accomplished through the body of Christ. We can, we can try all we want to create unity. We can come up, we can come short of that. Um, what is it that unifies us? Is it, is it politics? Is there anything, do we have anything at Trinity that says if to be a member at Trinity, you need to be a Republican, registered voting Republican? Yes or no? Do we have that? I couldn't hear you. No. Okay. Um, do we say you have to be a Democrat, registered voting Democrat? No. Or a libertarian. So politics don't is politics are, is not what unites us. Uh, hunting. Do you hunt or do you play golf? This is a church for golfers only. Or this is a church for hunters only, right? No, that's ridiculous. Or this is a church for people of a certain age. You have to be 65 years or older to be a church member at Trinity. Or you can't be over 40. You know, 42. Okay. I'm going to turn 43 in a couple months. Terrible. What a joy. Blessing. But so it's not sports. It's not hunting. Although it is true we don't allow Green Bay Packer fans to be. No, I'm just teasing. (laughs) Sorry, Pastor Scott, Mrs. Scott. It's the Lions. Anyway. Ephesians 4 and verse 15 says, Speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So, Christ is the head. We are the body. Are we connected? Are we following is his mind Are his thoughts? Are we carrying out his will? There's only one body. and We ought to act like one body. We ought to be unified. We ought to be united. We ought to be in sync. The church at Corinth uh, was immature. They were they were babes in Christ. They didn't know a whole lot because of their immaturity. They had divisions among them. In first Corinthians one and verse 10, the Bible says, now I beseech you. Brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. And then Paul writes this. He says, For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Contentions. Can there be contentions between brothers and sisters in Christ who are both yielded to the Spirit of God? I mean, there's no doubt, and in the Bible there are situations where um, Peter and Paul were not on the same page. Paul and Barnabas, not on the same page. Now we know from Peter and Paul, Peter was absolutely in the wrong in that situation. The Spirit of God does not lead us to divisions 
and schisms. God wants a united church. Do you remember those two ladies in, in the book of uh, Philippians, the church at Philippi? In Philippians 4 and verse 2, Paul wrote to that church, he said, I beseech Eudeus and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. They're of different minds, mindsets. They're going different directions. And I'm, I'm pleading with them publicly before the entire church that they would, that they would be unified, that they would be united together. So there's only one body and it is Christ. Philippians 2 and verse 2 says, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. There ought to be unity within Trinity Baptist Church. And what is it that unifies us? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is Christ-likeness. It's not because we're all perfect. It's not because we've all arrived. It's not because we're all spiritually mature. And even the most spiritually mature at times fall. And of course, there are some who are maybe newly saved and you feel like you're, you're bobbing on the sea. You know, you seem to be up and down every, every day or every other day. And, and, and there's going to, spiritual maturity will come. It's going to come, but there's still going to be, there's still going to be temptations. There's still going to be sin. There's still going to be forgiveness and reconciliation with the Lord and restoration. And God is never going to give up on you. But it, it, we don't have unity because of sinlessness or perfection individually. Our unity is in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's us. It's me wanting the same thing you want. And what is that? It is that we want to please our Lord and Savior. We want to learn his word and we want to learn truth. And, and we recognize who we are, humbly who we are. Uh, we, we recognize our inabilities. We recognize he is our salvation. And so we assemble and we gather to worship and love him. Back in Romans 12, how much of ourselves ought we give to the Lord? Look at verses 1 and 2. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It is the will of God that I present all of me to him. Now, I'm a dad, and I'm a husband. I, I do some volunteer work for the Flint Township Police Department. I'm a pastor. I'm a teacher. I'm a, I'm a preacher. There's some counseling involved. But you know what? Seth Ferguson belongs to the Lord. And every single one of us need to be at that point. And the, and the truth is, sometimes we want to pull ourselves off the altar of sacrifice. We want to say, I'm going to live today for me. I'm going to live. This is going to be for me. And Paul is saying, no, give everything to the Lord. All of you give all of you to the Lord. So how can we have how can we function as the church member? God wants us to humbly consider who you really are. Number two, desire the unity that God has ordained. And finally, accept the diversity of the local church. Accept the diversity of the local church. Look at verse 6. He says, having then gifts differing, hmm, different gifts, according to the grace that is given to us, whether, and then he names uh, several of them, prophecy, he says, if that's your gift, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, which means servant, 
Let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth. We have some who are teachers on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. If you're an exhorter, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. And, and again, in a couple of weeks, I'd like to do some study on some gifts, specifically what they are. But the simple truth is I look at this particular passage and I think about our church and how we, we can be functioning church members and, and, and how we can fulfill our particular um, role as a member of this body. I see these truths from this passage. Humbly consider who you really are. Desire the unity that God has ordained. And accept the diversity of the local church. You know, there are really, I think, are two truths, and I'll close with these, that I want to draw your attention to as think about the diversity of, of the church. And one is this. All of these gifts are gifts that God has given. And the second one is that these gifts are diverse. They're different. They're different. So if I have the gift of prophecy... And I may, and maybe the gift, the person who has the gift of prophecy tends to th- see things in black and white really clearly. Should I, who have maybe has the gift of, of prophecy, look at someone who has the gift of mercy and think, I don't know what's wrong with them. Like, why do, why do they even, why are they even a part of this thing? They they're always loving everybody, giving mercy. You know, or the person who's more merciful and long-suffering looks at the, the, the member of the body of Christ who has the gift of prophecy, who sees things more black and white and, and wonders, how can they even be saved? You know, I mean, don't they know that God gave them mercy? You know, and there's this, there can't be division and schism. We, we have to understand that all of these gifts are given by God. God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. I... Nobody is in this church because of me. You're here because God put you here. And if God put you here, then this church needs your gift. Every single born-again believer has been given this gift. And you are God's gift to the church. They are gifts of grace. They cost God your gifts. Cost God a tremendous price. He gave them to you. And I think about years ago, someone anonymously had given a gift so that I could go to Israel years ago. And I didn't know anything about it. Jeff Lane came up to me at one point and said, do you even want to go to Israel? And I said, I would love to go to Israel. He said, well, somebody has given something so you can go. And Cindy and I had saved up some money, and so I brought her along with me and went to Israel. And if let's say you were to talk to me at that time or now about Israel. and What was it like? Did you enjoy it? Was it okay? And the truth is, I loved it. It was wonderful. I'd love to go back. But what if I had the attitude of, nah, it, was no, it, was, it was terrible. It cost that person a lot to send me there. What if I looked at what they gave with disesteem? I, I thought nothing of it. Wouldn't that be sad? Well, God has given you abilities. He's given you spiritual gifts. 
that are meant for the edification, the building up, the strengthening of the body of Christ so that we will function and be healthy, so that the world around us will take notice. and They will marvel at the unity that this church has. When the rest of the world is coming apart, they'll marvel at forgiveness that is given when the rest of the world chooses not to forgive. They will marvel at a church that stands for truth when nobody in the world seems to be standing for anything but opinions. You see, God wants us to show the world the Lord Jesus Christ. It is impossible to show the world Christ if we are not in tune submitting to the head, our Lord and Savior, individually, which then brings us into unity. And it is in that way that the the world today can see the Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be wonderful for the world to see the truth? Wouldn't it be wonderful for them to be exposed to the Lord Jesus Christ? And the answer is, this is God's plan. He wants the world to see Christ through us. So have you humbly considered who you really are? Do you desire the unity that God has ordained? And are you willing to accept the diversity of the local church? I'm not talking about compromising doctrine. I'm talking about all of us coming in submission to the truth of the word of God, submission to the spirit of God, and operating as one. I almost brought with me today a router table. And uh, I was going to bring a router table, and we were going to try to route some wood without the bit, or without the cord, or without the table, or without the router. You have the bit, the table, the cord, no router. It would be silly, wouldn't it? You need all the components. And it is sad. It is so sad when a church tries to do the work of the ministry without the entire body functioning as one. And if you're a part of this church, and I don't mean if you're technically on the membership roles, if God himself has added you to this church, serve him with gladness. You and the Lord, you have a conversation with him and say, Lord, this is all I am. I'm, I'm, I'm 42. This is what you've given me. This is who you saved me to be. This is all I know to do. Lord, I'm going to serve you with everything I have. Or, Lord, I'm 75. This leg doesn't work like it used to work. Or, or I'm 85. My eyesight isn't the same. But, Lord, everything that I am. Or maybe you're 26 or 28 and you're, you're, you're newly married, maybe. Um, and you don't know a lot about the Bible, but you know that he saved you. And you say, Lord, will you please take me and use me for your glory? Help me to serve you. You see, no matter where you are, Lord, Here I am. Let me serve you. And then let him lead you. Let him lead you. And he will lead you where he wants you to be. Pastor Tom, would you come and close with a a hymn? Let's all stand to our feet.